This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Georgia Solar Association. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. Thank you, Scott Slade. It is a great day to be saving money anywhere, whether you're in Atlanta, San Diego, New York, or any place else. John, who do we have in our studio today? Kevin Greiner, CEO of Gas South. Uh, this is a very innovative gas company. I'm really interested to hear from him today. Kevin, thank you for sponsoring the show, by the way. We appreciate having Gas South as our sponsor here at the Cox Media Group. You know, in 1988, the U.S. produced just under 18 trillion cubic feet of natural gas, and it was about 10% of our power mix. But last year, the U.S. produced 29 trillion cubic feet, and it was the single largest source of electricity, accounting for an amazing 32% of all U.S. production. So we're now on track to reach record-breaking production levels, and natural gas makes up nearly one-third of the country's generation fleet. I mean, did you ever expect to see natural gas have this kind of a heyday and with power Great generation? Question. Yeah, I tell you, Tim, and thank you for having me on the show. It would have been hard to foresee that back when we started. So we began our business in 2006, and that was right on the heels of Hurricanes Katrina and Rita. And prices went through the roof because we were so dependent upon Mm -hmm. uh, production that was coming from the Gulf of Mexico in the United States. And so to see things change the way they have, you know, gas prices are about 20, 25% of what they were back then. Um, at those at that height, uh, we were, we were, but even like, you know, the domestically produced gas was very expensive because we had had these, you know, storm events and everything. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, there's this subject that you always hear about, about resiliency. It's a very, you know, big buzzword. I would say that the natural gas industry and natural gas production has become so much more resilient because we're able to produce today Hmm. gas in so many different parts of North America. And that's making a big difference in making the fuel really a fuel of choice for power generation, for homes, for commercial buildings, and for industry. So it is a good time to be in the business. You know, as you think about just the prices of things over the last, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, I mean, cars have gone up, houses have gone up, clothes have gone up, eggs have gone up, dry cleaning has gone up. But here's a commodity this actually gone down. And it, it is counterintuitive to think that this gas is cheaper now than it's been in a long time. Yeah, it is. And, and the nice thing is that it's been inexpensive for a sustained period. So, you know, with natural gas and with a lot of commodities, you see big ups, you see big downs, you know, you see a lot of fluctuation in a lot of commodities. And while natural gas still does move up and down with market forces based on, you know, supply and demand factors and things like that, Um, Compared to a lot of other types of uh, commodities, natural gas has been fairly stable and very affordable for a long time. We hope that continues. Especially now. So it's that that market economy thing where the more that is produced, the cheaper the product is, I mean, generally. And and so right now, you've got big-time production, and it's only going up, and demand is big but it's not that big yeah you're right john and a big piece of that that you'll appreciate is the efficiency side of it you know we're able to get more heat more drying yeah oh man (laughs) for more heat more drying more production in in uh, from feedstocks that are using natural gas 
from a unit of natural gas than we were able to do in the past. So even as people say, gosh, you know, I want to build homes that utilize natural gas. I want to cook with it. I want to, you know, dry with natural gas. You're still seeing the overall usage patterns stay very flat and in some cases even decline that on the residential and the commercial side. Folks, th- let me explain what he's talking about here. The the In the business of the commercial world, we call them boilers, but most people call them hot water heaters. Mm-hmm. So that hot water heater that you had in your house used to be 80% efficient when you installed it, and then it got old and decrepit and terrible and it died, and it might have been 70 or 60% efficient by the time it died. And then you put a new one in, and it's 90% efficient or 92% efficient. And if you've got a hotel, it's 95% efficient, and it's called a cyclone. All this stuff means you're using less gas to get the same hot water to, to be in your house. So that's what you're talking about. The efficiency goes up. The demand actually goes down. That's right. Even though people are actually using natural gas and uh, more than ever. You're seeing the actual usage go down because those appliances are so much so more efficient. So that reduces the environmental footprint, and that lowers lo- the lowers me as a big greenie, and m- that lowers my blood pressure uh, to understand that the footprint of natural gas, while I think it ha- I have questions and concerns about it, it also means it's a less of a footprint because the efficiency of the of the appliance I'm using has gone up. That's it. Okay. You yeah. know, you mentioned using it for transportation. Those MARTA buses that have the big tanks on the top of them, those are actually running on natural gas, right? The they same are. The product that's going into the home? That's right, yeah. And, and MARTA is the single largest user of natural gas in the state of Georgia, actually. It's a very, very large what? user because all really? of those buses run CNG. on compressed natural gas. And they've made a big investment in fueling stations. So every day, all yeah, every day, all those buses go back to central points. That's it. They go to the central points and they fill them up. Pipe going in there must be must be just as big as the pipe going to the new uh, natural gas Georgia Power natural gas facility on the Chattahoochee. Yeah, it's it is like having a big industrial facility that is uh, you know taking all that natural gas, compressing it because you have to compress that natural gas to put it into those buses. So and that's right on the top. That's why they have those weird tops to those to those bands you know okay. uh, when i first got elected i bought a natural gas car i had a little honda civic in 1999 you were one of the pioneers honda civic and that that yeah. civic you you could take literally a white handkerchief and go to the exhaust pipe uh, and you could rub that around the exhaust pipe and there was no carbon or black on there yeah. and when i would go to have the oil changed the uh, the person would come out and say, well, your oil was, was was bronze. It didn't look black. I mean, are we seeing natural gas have an environmental impact like that when, when you think about what's coming out of the exhaust pipe and how it impacts the citizens of an area like Atlanta? It, it does. So natural gas is a low carbon fuel. You know, a lot of what you see in terms of that buildup, it's buildup because of the carbon content of the fuel, gasoline, diesel, in particular, have much higher carbon contents than natural gas does. And so, you're, you, and that, of course, leads to also lower carbon dioxide emissions when you're burning natural gas versus some of those other fuels. Same, of course, goes with coal when you look at uh, power plants. You know, coal is a relatively high carbon fuel, has oh, a lot. Terrible. And uh, that's where you see, the, you know, a lot of fuel switching that's occurred where folks have shut down coal plants and have converted or built new. Uh, natural gas plants. And Georgia Power, of course, has been a leader in that area. You know, Georgia Power 10, 15 years ago had a very small fleet of natural gas plants. Maybe 25% uh, ran on natural gas of the the energy that was produced today. Georgia Power is up right around 50%. 
Recently, I had a chance to go to that plant near your house, John, that plant McDonough on the Chattahoochee you can River. call me, really. I, I'd love to do that. Yeah, and I went out there mainly to look at the ash pond remediation that they're doing. But oh, yeah. what I was reminded about when I was there is I saw the train tracks that had been cut off going into it that, oh, that, yeah. that at, at one time had carried coal in there continually, dropping it in there and having mm. having it it burned and, and blowing over in your neighborhood i'm yep. sure yep. that all of that's gone now and in fact that po- that plant produces four times as much power than it did before but uh, with much less environmental impact, and that's because of natural gas. Right? That's right, and and you know the other great things about natural gas is besides the low carbon content, it also only has trace amounts of nitrogen and sulfur, and those are you know very important pollutants that create smog and uh, you know create impacts on 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 humans like asthma and that kind of thing. Uh, so. Having natural gas being burned not only reduces the carbon footprint, but also takes a lot of those smog-causing chemicals out of the airshed and creates, you know, really significant health benefits for all Let of us. Let me be Debbie Downer on this little party about why natural gas is so great, though. I, I, what I'm worried about is not so much that the emissions are uh, the emissions are a problem, but they're so much better than coal. No question. And thank goodness that they all did that across the street from me uh, with Georgia Power. But it is the extraction of the natural gas that scares the bejeebies out of my environmental friends and me. And then the methane that's flared. And that's even before you take custody of it mm-hmm. and do what you do so well. And what I worry about is that methane and I worry about uh, the fracking. What kind of fracking are we seeing in Georgia in our own backyards? And what about the methane problem? Yeah, so in Georgia, we have very little in the way of natural gas deposits. So we're really not a gas producing state here okay. in Georgia. Now, um, some of the states that are not too far from us, of course, places like Ohio, Pennsylvania, have been um, emerging producers of natural gas and they are producing it because this is the they Bakken are- um, thing that they talk about. Well, that Bakken is up in North, in North Dakota. Uh, North Dakota. Okay. Um, the Marcellus, Marcellus is the, uh, the Marcellus shale formation is what you see in, um, Ohio and in Pennsylvania. Well, they, frack, and they, they put a drill down there and they go sideways and horizontal and turn around and they find those pockets. That's right. It's very innovative um, technology. It yep. goes at least one and a half to two miles deep Good into Lord. the earth. And uh-huh. then uh, from there, you uh, have horizontal drilling, which basically means you drill down with that with the with the um, um, the bore and then you go all the way across the basin and by doing that you're getting scale right you're able to instead of having to drill five different wells you can drill one well and then you can extract the gas horizontally right. from the entire basin so the economics really work effectively and um, you know there is risk with any energy extraction technology, whether it's, you know, mining for coal, whether it's uh, drilling for oil, whether it's drilling for natural gas, not with solar, that is true. But for any kind of fossil fuel, for sure, you have, um, you do have impacts. Mm -hmm. I would say that the industry, the natural gas industry has done a good job of learning this technology, ensuring that the right safeguards are in place. Really, if you look at the last few years, I think you don't see a lot of instances of um, problems uh, that, uh, have been out there in terms of the uh, in terms of the extraction of natural gas from these um, from these shale formations. Well, this is all great stuff, John. I want to keep talking to Kevin uh, about how this gas gets here. I want yep. to talk a little bit more about the fracking because I I I went out to Western Colorado because 
some of my constituents constituents had concerns, and I wanted to see it myself, particularly on how they handled water. So let's mm. keep the conversation going. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters, and we'll be right back with Kevin Griner. The electric car revolution is coming, and the choices are growing. Gem cars are everywhere. You've seen these low-speed electric vehicles on college campuses, downtown Atlanta streets, and resort islands like St. Simons and Jekyll. Gem cars are street legal, equipped with seatbelts, headlights, and a tag, and can operate on roads with speed limits of 35 miles per hour or less. If you want to know more about these electric cars and trucks, six-passenger shuttles, mobile repair service, or full vehicle wraps, go to GemCarService.com. That's G-E-M, CarService.com. John, one of our sponsors for the show, Row Insulating Company, is doing a great job in and around Athens, being able to do a lot of what we talk about every single week on the show. You get, every time it gets cold, every time it gets hot, it's always a, it's always that attic that's the problem. And uh, you could tack windows, and that's going to cost you a cold fortune. It is insulation that can solve the problem. Hey, if you want to get this fixed, call 706-795-2854. That's 706-795-2854. Row Insulating Company. Rope. Welcome back to Energy Matters. Uh, I'm John Noel, our host, Tim Eccles, and we are here with Kevin Griner, the CEO of Gas South. This half hour is brought to you by Georgia Solar Energy Association. The Georgia Solar helps consumers decide how to access solar energy in a way that saves them money on their power bills and reduces their environmental footprint. They help them find skilled solar professionals they can trust and provide guides to evaluate solar options. See more at gasolar.org. Well, we've got Kevin in the studio. I know we had talked about fracking in the last segment, and this certainly is a controversial topic. Uh, But I'm going to tell you what the Germans told me when I was there, Kevin. I was meeting with the economic minister, and he was bemoaning the fact that the U.S. had fracking because it had reduced our energy costs so much that German companies were leaving Germany, coming over here uh, when they had a manufacturing process that required a lot of energy, whether mm-hmm. it's carbon fiber or a company like BASF, uh, BMW, and and their energy costs are just so much higher. And have you seen it be a game changer when it comes to manufacturing? Uh, it really has been. I think we're seeing a manufacturing renaissance in the United States. It does take time to build that. Um, you know, a bunch of new industrial facilities don't show up overnight, but I think the United States is much more competitive than really anywhere else in the world right now for manufacturing plants that utilize natural gas. And so we are seeing, you know, more and more interest for those sorts of facilities. And, you know, if you take the example of Europe, you know, Europe doesn't have any substantial domestic resources of natural gas. So they're very reliant. It's all Russia. Yeah. And... It's starting to actually come from us as well because we'll, we, we will be in a position to export oh, yeah. natural gas being produced in the United States, putting it into big tankers, liquefying it to liquefied natural gas, shipping it abroad, and actually reducing Europe's reliance on Russian natural gas. So yeah. from a geopolitical standpoint, you know, it's pretty exciting. Well, yeah. something's got to bring us closer to NATO. Apparently our president doesn't. You know, John, I was mentioning that that fracking is controversial. Certainly in your party it is. But, you know, I think people are just curious how it works. And we were talking about, uh, Kevin had mentioned in the last segment, about how you have to drill less wells. Okay, Mm. so let's just think about it from an invasive standpoint. I went out to western Colorado Mm. and uh, near Grand Junction, and I watched both a drilling crew 
at one site and then went over and watched a fracking crew. This is not going on simultaneously. Uh, so the drilling crew doing this horizontal drilling, and by the way, they were, instead of using diesel in those big Canadian engines that they were, that they were using on site, they were using the gas, a, 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 wow. a slightly cleaned version, not completely clean, not yeah. pipeline ready, but a slightly cleaned up version to actually run the drilling machines. Okay, so if you think about smart. the difference yeah. between where it was 15 years ago and using diesel right. out there in western Colorado, and now you're using natural gas for drilling. And by the way, these, the drilling, drilling. these drilling yeah. machines, yeah. they're going 21 days nonstop. And these engines are running continually mm. Mm. because they're going down miles under under mm. the ground. And so that process is cleaner than it was. Mm. And then, you know, the big concern was how's the water treated and, mm. and the chemicals that have to go down, oh, the fracking chemicals. Oh. And then as they kind of oh. gurgle and bubble back up, what we do with that water, yeah. are we just dumping it on the ground or are we taking it to a water reclama- reclamation facility so. mm-hmm. and so i wanted to see all of that i had mm-hmm. a lot of questions and the methane flaring that's what i well have a problem with. The, the you got flaring where you're actually burning it like a gas grill that's not as much a concern mm-hmm. as just fugitive methane mm-hmm. where you're yeah. just letting it leak and you're not burning it right that's terrible so so uh, in North Dakota, there's more flaring. I, I really didn't see any flaring where I was at in mm. western Colorado. Yeah, you're really not going to see any f- or very little flaring where the infrastructure exists to take that natural gas and get it to markets. The reason that you see so much flaring in places like North Dakota is because the gas pipeline infrastructure is not well built out there. But if you're producing wow. in a place like Pennsylvania, Ohio, um, even where you're co-producing the gas with oil, which happens a lot, you've got pipelines that can take both of those products to markets where it can be utilized. Okay. So that ends up being the real factor for flaring is, you know, does the pipeline infrastructure exist to get the gas to market? If it doesn't, then that's where you see these examples of flaring. And I agree with you, John, that's a shame, right? It's a, it's a, it's a resource well, that, that you're basically yeah. throwing away and, you know, contributing to emissions doesn't make a lot of sense, but you need the infrastructure to be able to get it to market. Mm. Yeah. So, mm. you know, they they were fracking on, on 10 acre parcels. So uh, once the well was drilled and that line was put in, then a fracking right. crew came in and put the sand down into, uh, in, into the line with, uh, uh, with the chemicals. And then as the gas, as it busted the shale rock and as the gas began to flow, they capped that well and off it went in their retail pipeline going to be cleaned. And so it wasn't to their benefit to lose a single molecule of it. Mm-hmm. They wanted all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the issue was, I think in North Dakota, as Kevin has said, is I, I got to build pipelines quick enough that I can capture it and get mm-hmm. it to the place where we're storing it and cleaning it and moving it on to the next place. Mm-hmm. And the infrastructure in North Dakota just wasn't as developed. Yeah, and, and to think- be clear too, what's happening in North Dakota is they're really producing oil, and the gas is a byproduct, and the byproduct has nowhere to go. That's the problem. That's interesting. So we also talk about pipelines. It makes me a little nervous when we talk about pipelines because I. I think about the Boston explosion where we had pipeline and all of a sudden there was high pressure in the pipeline and then boom, boom, boom. And these, all these houses and a few houses went up in smoke. And then over in California, there was some other kind of thing. What is going on? That's not, that's not a you thing. It's not a you, your fault thing. It is the gas line infrastructure. 
how do we know in Georgia? I haven't ever heard of this happening in Georgia. Maybe it has. How do we know that's not going to happen in Georgia? Yeah, so we have a very, very resilient, strong system in Georgia. When you see these instances occur, um, the finger is typically pointed at underinvestment in the pipeline infrastructure, old pipes, old processes, poor maintenance, all of those things. In Georgia, the Public Service Commission, over many years, working with Atlanta Gaslight, has elected to really invest in our infrastructure. And so each of us pay sure for that. that. My bill, I can tell well, you that's, that right that's now. exactly right. Each mm-hmm. of us pay for that. You see it on your huh. bill, the AGL pass-through charges. Those AGL pass-through charges are to continue to invest in mm-hmm. our system, to expand it into areas that don't have natural gas service, but also to maintain the pipes that we have. And there has been a long pipeline replacement program that has been well-funded by our Public Service Commission and, of course, by us as consumers, mm-hmm. all of us, over the years. So that's the and, base um, charge we see in our bills. We, that's we right. We see the charge from Gas South for the for the gas per therm, blah, blah, blah. And then we see a customer service charge from y'all or right. anybody. Yep. And then we see the AGL. The AGL pass-through charges. Pass-through and those charge. pass-through charges are the same regardless uh-huh. of which marketer you choose. Mm-hmm. And so it's a tariff-based charge. It is approved by the Public Service Commission. We pay that money to Atlanta Gaslight. So you pay us, we remit those amounts to AGL, and uh, AGL uses that to um, build out and maintain their network. And I think that system works really well. I mean, I'm really proud of what we've done in Georgia, and we are widely recognized in the U.S. as having a very, very strong, resilient, well-maintained expansive system. Let me tell you, John, just how extensive this investment has been. We have replaced... Every it's ca- a lot of money, and every I ca- about it Every all the time. cast iron and okay. bare steel old pipe that we've had in this state, we've replaced them all. Uh, and How do other states compare? Well, a lot of states haven't done any of it, and or it's, or maybe they've done some of it. Wow. Uh, okay. But it, pipes under the ground is not a sexy investment. No. People can't see it. I don't think people really appreciate it, Kevin. Uh, but what, what happens is when we go out – and do a leak audit, for example. Uh, and we've done that with various cities that sell gas uh, and, and because part of our job at the commission is protecting the infrastructure under the ground. Mm. And we'll do a leak audit, and we want to know how many times is that pipe leaking per mile. And there's a certain tolerance for that. Mm. Uh, I mean, pipes, old he pipes. He wants to know. He's got his gas in there. All, mm. all, old pipes leak, and it is to our advantage to replace them with the newest product and we certainly hmm. have done that in georgia and our consumers have benefited we've had less accidents uh we have less loss uh on our line uh, but the average consumer when they look at that bill they're not you know they're not thinking about anything under the ground because they never see it um but frankly it's there is it's an important investment just ask people in the city of atlanta Oh, about yeah. leaking that put, water. That put off deferring leaking, all that stuff. And, yeah. and about Our all septic, the infrastructure, oh uh, the yeah. septic and the water that's been yeah. neglected in the city of Atlanta and the yeah. impact that that has. And so we have felt it prudent to do that. And Kevin mentioned laying new pipe and – you know, this station, this station, WGAU, where we do our recording, is right here in poultry country. Uh, poultry production is all around us. And one of the things that we've, that we've tried to do is to help poultry producers – to be able to go from having a propane delivered fuel for their chicken Which is houses expensive. to having methane that comes in on the pipe that's far cheaper and yeah. essentially increases their profit margin. 
and and so we've done as sense. much as we yeah. have, have possibly How been able to do. How much do you serve do. of those of the poultry? Dozens and dozens okay. uh, across the state, and, that's and it's been just a, like it is at my house. Absolutely, yeah. and it's okay. been a huge growth segment for us because, as as Commissioner Eccles says. You know, for a long time, they did not have access to natural gas. And then once you got the pipelines there, so you get it connected together. Bill helps build out the infrastructure, which gets lines to the guys who previously were paying. That's right. So that saves everybody yep. money. That's right. Because then you have more and more users across right. the network paying into that uh, that fund, if I'm you will. Up and, on uh, this high fee. And it, yeah, and it, it, it does. I mean, the more yeah. the more customers that we can get receiving service the better off we're all going to be in terms of the utilization of that infrastructure and therefore the cost of maintaining and operating it. I love it. Well, this is good stuff. I, w- I want to bring Kevin back one more time and talk uh, a little bit about maybe how to beat the system on these high gas Ooh, prices. Sticking uh, it to the uh, man. If, now if, if, there, if there's a way to beat the system and talk a little bit more about the poultry and the benefit that our farmers are, are getting as a result of that. You're listening to Energy Matters. I'm Tim Eccles. Um, my co-host is John Noel, and we are here to help you save money on your bills and to be able to use technology and to live a more sustainable life. Stay tuned for more great information. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit. And the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. GasSouth. The difference is good. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, 2 or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden & Gregory. Welcome back to Energy Matters. Support for Energy Matters comes from Arnold, Golden, and Gregory. For nearly seven decades, Arnold, Golden, Gregory, LLP has established a strong record of helping growing enterprises become industry leaders. Today, their team of attorneys who practice in more than 25 areas of law continue to expand AGG's reputation for helping public and private companies successfully grow their business. AGG is committed to staying on the leading edge of new developments that affect their clients' industries and business strategies. They are ready to help a new generation of emerging companies achieve success. We appreciate their weekly support of Energy Matters and encourage our friend Kevin Griner to call them. <laughs> <laughs> You're a company that can use AGG. Yeah, yeah great. Company. We have great sponsors on our show. Kevin, uh, i got Kevin Griner in the studio here as we start this second half hour. He's the president and CEO of Gas South. And Kevin, in our last segment, we talked about the pass-through charge that obviously Gas House has nothing to do with. In fact, the Public Service Commission working with AGL sets that, and it not only covers the cost of the pipes in the ground, but bringing that gas along that those pipes and planning out all of that infrastructure. I mean, it's no easy thing to guess how much gas we need. That's a well-thought-out process. It is, yeah. We have a whole uh, process called the Capacity Supply Plan to determine what are the resources that we need to have in Georgia accessible to us collectively to be able to serve the market well. 
Um, you know, one of the things that uh, folks always wonder is, well, what do the gas marketers like Gas South do? And what does Atlanta Gaslight do? And really our role as energy marketers, as natural gas marketers, is to bring that gas to market. So we're responsible for contracting with the producers of natural gas and arranging for that gas to be transported to Georgia and into the AGL system. And then we do all the sales, marketing, billing, collections, and customer care. Atlanta Gaslight focuses on maintaining that infrastructure, maintaining all those meters, providing us with the meter reads so we know how much to bill customers. And they also, very importantly, they do the service orders at the customer location. So they're turning the gas on, coming in and lighting pilot lights, turning it off at your home or business. So that's kind of how the responsibilities are really divided. And I think it's a system that works pretty well. And of course, that allows you to shop around for the best combination of price and service and community involvement and impact that you want as a consumer and choose which natural gas provider you think aligns most with your values. Let me ask you about the variable rate versus the the fixed rate. And I, we have people ask us, and I, you know, I traditionally tell people to lock in the cheapest fixed rate they can for as long as they can. Is is that good advice, or what would you recommend? That is that is absolutely the right advice. And uh, fixed rates are much more competitively priced in our market, and mm. they're more competitively priced because there's a commitment that's being made on behalf of the customer that says, "Hey, I'm going to stay with you for a year, for two years, sometimes for three years," and really, there's no reason not to choose a fixed rate, especially before you get into the winter months. You will save money on a fixed rate compared to a variable rate. And that really is the case no matter which provider you choose. Every provider prices variable rates higher than fixed rates. So you really do want to lock in that fixed rate, have that peace of mind. And then you can combine that fixed rate with things like budget bill, where you can levelize your payments across the course of the year based on our estimate of how much gas that you'll use over the next 12 months, and you only actually pay for the gas you use. So that's another great way to manage that bill volatility that you may have where, gosh, you know, my charges are so high in the winter and they're low in the summer. Well, budget bill levelizes all that and gives you better peace of mind there too. Well, I promised in the last segment a little trick, John. You like little tricks to save money, and I do too. I'm on the time of use rate with my electricity, and I kind of play that market on that. You know, I know, I know, Kevin, that Gas South uh, uh, or any gas marketers, you're not really responsible for these fixed charges that AGL charges, but there's a formula on how these are set, and it's, and it's based on usage or uh, your largest usage over a single month. And sometimes I'll tell a consumer uh, as they share with me, wow, you know, my charge is so high, I'll say, well, let me see your January or your February bill. Uh Okay, wow, look at look at how your bill spiked in February. Why don't this coming February, why don't you be very careful with this and try to bring that usage down, level it out, and then you'll have a new formula for the year. Can you how, how would you explain to a person how they could be careful in a cold winter month in in terms of trying to lower their fixed yeah costs. so the so the biggest um the the biggest impact on that those agl charges is going to be the usage that you have in the highest consumption month or highest consumption period for you typically that's going to be a bill cycle that occurs during the middle of the winter so if you're really super focused on saying, hey, I want to get my, it's called dedicated design day capacity, the DDDC. I want to know If I want to get that down, the easiest way to do it is use so less gas. Is good. Yes, and use less gas during the coldest month. Now, 
that comes with consequences, right? Because right. that's when you want to be using a lot of natural gas. But being careful, you know, there are, there are lots of reasons to be careful with your thermostat in the winter, right? A, you know, you'll just have fewer therms, but also to Commissioner Eccles' point, it will also reduce those pass-through charges from AGL so like in peaking. the next year. It's That's like right. Peaking stuff. That's it. It's very so similar to that. I have a bar at my house, and I've been known on a cold winter's evening to invite some people over and maybe, you know, enjoy a beverage or two mm-hmm. in front of the gas fireplace. Yes. So I'm firing up a gas fireplace. The house has got a gas furnace going. And then the girlfriend might like to start the gas fireplace on the other side of the house. Mm-hmm. I now have three things running with gas. So what I have just done is I've hit my peaking moment. Does that where the DDC sets it? Yeah, it would be over the course of the entire month. So it's not okay. going to be something that okay. hits you just for that Ooh, very moment. Right, it's good. going to be over the full, the full bill cycle. Yes, and, you don't have to worry I, about the okay, party. That's what makes me nervous. But electrical yep. meters are so sophisticated. That's right. They can figure things like that out, even though residential people are not billed in that way. Right. So residential gas meters are typically, you know, it's a month worth of okay. consumption. So it's really not doing those instantaneous reads that you have with so electricity. Office is point, I, I checked this before we got here. My office is 0. 0.66 DDC. Mm-hmm. And then my house is point. Uh, oh, sorry, 1.24 DDC. Yep. Which one's good, which one's bad, and why, and what well, are the numbers? neither are bad, but what that says is that your neither house, bad. Your you house is using... Officer or CEO? <laughs> Come on. Hey, I want you to use natural gas, yeah, John. I, um, I want you to be comfortable. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Get to the answer. <laughs> but, uh, but basically what that's saying is that your house is using about twice the peak amount of natural gas than your business is. And, that and that's sense. why you're having the higher... Uh, pass-through okay. charges because the pass-through charges will be higher for a DDDC of 1.2 compared to 0.66. And, and is that a few dollars, a few cents? What does that mean? So there's a fixed component uh, that you're going to have regardless. I think it's about $16 a month. So that doesn't get affected by the DDDC okay. factor. But then there's also the variable component of that. And that would basically be double. So here, uh, here's the way to So re- you probably have, it probably overall increases your uh, pass through charges by maybe twenty five percent over the course of the year. Your 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 house is going to have twenty five percent higher probably than your than your yeah, business. So here, here's a way to resolve that, John. Yes, sir. Is that you you look at your previous bills or call AGL and right. just say what month was this set in? And let's say they say, well, it was set in February. So. Right. Is that typical? A lot of usage in February, January, February? Yeah, January, February. And, okay. you know, and, and, and that's the key determinant of the DDDC, but there actually are other things. It's like a multi, it's a, it's a very complicated formula. So we'll take the, but, the low-hanging fruit but on that one. But consider yeah. the, the, the winter month to be the biggest determinant of and, it. And let's that's just right. assume yeah. That, yeah. that that is exactly yeah. the case in your situation. Right. In the next February, yeah. you're going to want to lower your usage. Right. Uh, Put a because, sweater on. Because that... That setting, once they once they determine your number, uh, right. then it's going to last for the whole year. That's right. So you, you just want to modify your behavior for that one month uh, yeah. uh, and okay. get the number changed. Okay. Uh, and so that's a way to beat the system. And it gets, it gets reset in August of each year. So depending on what that last 12 months pattern was, the next August is when you're going to see that change on your bill and you'll see the DDDC a different value at that uh, point. Other other money saving things. Can we throw a money saving idea out there? Well, certainly we talked about going to a fixed rate, and yep. and, and that's important. I got one. And and when you you know, I've found that if you're happy with your gas marketer and you start getting offers in the mail, just call your gas marketer and say, "Look, I'm happy with you. I'm getting this offer. Would you would you match this?" Ooh, I like. And 
I mean, do you, yeah. do, uh, Kevin, do you find that your sales reps are often getting calls and you're working with customers? Absolutely. Yeah. So a lot of the gas marketers offer these promotional teaser rates, you know, that's where right. you get a rate that's a lot of low, fine print. low for the first 12 months and then it'll be hiked up after that. We actually don't do that at Gas South. We give our existing customers our best rates. But we know that this dynamic does exist in the market where one of our competitors will offer a rate that's way lower than what they're charging their existing customers. Mm-hmm. We will endeavor to match or come close to matching that rate that, uh, that, the, that the other uh, that the customer is receiving Seasonal and try to do that. disconnect. People that only yes. have a gas furnace and whatever else, I don't want to pay the AGL hostage fee. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, a fee that they have. So I disconnect. In the, in the warm times. So essentially, I'm a seasonal discount. I think it's six months out or something like yeah. that. Is that a good – am I make? does the math work on that? I mean, I know you're the gas guy, but yeah. you ain't going to use any gas for me in August. So sometimes it does. Sometimes it does. And if you're really just using natural gas for heat, it can make sense to disconnect for five, six months out of the year and just have the gas service for the other six months. The downside of that is twofold. One is you have a higher connection fee that you have to pay. Yep. So you got you got to reckon with that. And then the second thing is the inconvenience of having to have somebody from Atlanta Gaslight come out and turn your gas back on. And so we struggle with that because there's a lot of especially commercial customers who say, gosh, it just got cold this week. I need the gas turned on tomorrow. And it's like November 1st and everybody wants the gas turned on on November 1st. So we have to give them the bad news that, hey, you know, AGL is not going to be able to get out there until the 8th. And that's not a real good customer experience sometimes. So that's the downside of of, of seasonal disconnections. Before we end this segment, uh, I wanted to have you just mention about the prepay, uh, the pay-as-you-go program and the benefit that that is. Yeah. You've got about 30 seconds. Yeah, so we've always had a, a commitment to serving credit challenge customers, and that's been something in our deregulated market that sometimes has been a challenge in the past. About 10 years ago, we really committed to creating rate plans for folks that had some credit blemishes, had some financial hardships, maybe didn't have a great credit score, but deserved options in the market. So we blazed the trail with our pay-as-you-go program. We're continuing to think about ways that we can even better serve credit challenge customers because we do believe that the underserved have a cho- should have a choice, too. Well, I want to keep him over one more segment. This has been so good, John. Yeah, I'd love and, more of this. Uh, and, and talk about your work with charities. That has a special place in my heart. So when we get back, let's talk about all the great good that you guys are doing through your company. You've heard about Jim Cars on Energy Matters. Made by Polaris in Anaheim, California. These street-legal, small electric vehicles go where golf carts are not allowed. Equipped with seatbelts, headlights, optional doors, and a tag, Jim Cars and Trucks are perfect for shuttles, corporate, or college campus use. In fact, Georgia Tech has over 100 of them. The new generation Jims have many options when selecting the battery type, onboard chargers, and enclosures to suit the climate. Go to GemCarService.com to find out more. That's G-E-M-CarService.com. Hey, it's Commissioner Tim Eccles, host of Energy Matters. I want to tell you about Kevin Rowe and Rowe Insulating Company. If you need insulation anywhere within 60 miles of Athens, Georgia, you need to call 706-795-2854. It's important, isn't it, John? It is the most important thing you can do in your house. It's the low-hanging fruit of everything that we talk about on Energy Matters every single week. That's exactly right. Yeah, call 706-795-2854. That's 706-795-2854. Rowe Insulating Company. Get comfortable. Welcome back to Energy Matters. I'm John Noel, Tim Eccles, our host here, and our uh, guest, Kevin Greiner, CEO of Gas South. We hear these wonderful Gas South ads, and we are so grateful for the sponsorship. But they have this phrase that I want to understand a little better. It says, the difference is good. What do you mean by that? 
Well, what we mean by that, John, is that, um, you know, with natural gas, we sell a commodity. And yep. so the product is not differentiated. Our gas doesn't make your food taste any better. It doesn't heat your nope. home any better than anybody sure. else's. The difference is in the service, in the pricing, in the trust, mm -hmm. and in the community engagement that uh, we have out in the marketplace. And so one of the aspects of um, really difference is good is our, our, our purpose, which is to be a fuel for good. And when we say being a fuel for good, that's about caring for our customers and our employees and elevating our industry and the communities that we serve. And one of the proof points that we have with that is that a couple of years ago, we pledged to give 5% of our profits each and every year to organizations that are working to help children in need. And wow. so that's a um, big commitment that we made that we're really proud of. Hmm. It generates a lot of money for nonprofit organizations that are across our entire footprint, Georgia as well as in Florida. 5% uh, of your net profit. That's right. Wow. Yep. That's you know, strong. I think about your parent company, Cobb EMC, uh, and I'm a member of Jackson EMC. We've talked about our EMCs on our show. They're nonprofit organizations. They tend to be uh, very family-oriented, uh, very charity-oriented, nothing against the big companies that are out there. But how much of your commitment to the community comes out of your roots uh, as, as a, a, quote, a child of an EMC. Yeah, it's, it's huge for us. I mean, we really run our business based on cooperative principles. So even though we are a for-profit company, we do really align well with our parent company, Cobb EMC, in doing the right thing, um, running our business for the long haul, not taking shortcuts, and doing things that we think will ultimately benefit everyone in our community and we, we we trust them that that will ultimately return to us in the form of business success so it's it's really really important for us and you know our employees really jump on that bandwagon they're really excited about the things that we do and we don't just give money we also really align our volunteer efforts with where we are making those contributions where we are making those donations and we challenge our nonprofit partners to help us help them to be more successful by deploying uh, volunteers at Gas South to work with the communities that they're working with. So that's the really exciting part of what we do also. You know, in a way, as president and CEO of your company, you're you're kind of like a pastor almost because you're 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 coaching and counseling people, you're helping them, yeah. you're helping them solve problems that come up in their life you're you're bringing in these charities uh and you're not only blessing them with these financial contributions but you're also have having them help uh help your employees engage where your employees are actually doing something right so it's more than just about the company giving uh money or writing a check but how <clears throat> how can francis or bobby or other employees uh, use their time better to catch a vision for improving their community and their state, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, we are very much embedded in the community. You know, we our, our employees live in the communities where we're serving customers. When you hear our customer care reps talk with customers, you know, you mentioned sort of, you know, counseling folks. Um, yeah. People struggle with paying their bills, yeah. you know, month to month. And I think that our team really demonstrates that empathy. They're on the customer side. They're trying to figure out how to help them to um, um, uh, set up a pay plan so that even if they're going to be late on that bill, they have the ability to pay it. So it goes really deep at Gas South. You know, it's 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 so multifaceted. You know, Your it's call giving, centers are here. They are. And and, and our employees 
serve as the voice in the ears of our company, which is different from a lot of other companies that outsource customer service. Right. When you call Gas South or when you engage in a chat or an email exchange, you are interacting with a Gas South employee, a full-time employee who has your best interest let at me, heart. Let me ask you about, yeah. about chatting because just as a consumer myself, I have, fi- I have found myself gravitating towards a chatting preference. So if I change my Delta flight, I do it on Twitter, mm-hmm. do a direct message with a Delta rep. Whoa, really? When I contact Sears about my grill warranty or, or, or coming to my house and working on my the washer, Sears. I am using that chat feature um, because the communication just seems clearer. I yeah. have a written record of it. I can print out a transcript. Do you see this as a trend that's going to continue? Is this something that millennials and Gen Xers really like, or is this something you're you're just helping your customers to come to appreciate? Yeah, there's develop? there's no question that we're seeing a major migration towards chat and email. That customers more and more customers are preferring that. The other thing that they're really preferring is digital self service. So for any company today, you have to allow your customers to do business with you via a mobile device. Mm -hmm. That's what's in the pocket. That's what people want to use. And it's really moved very quickly away from the desktop and even an IVR within a, you know, um, a a phone sort of uh, system to wanting to do it on your iPhone, wanting to do it on your mobile device. And you're moving with the times. Yes, absolutely. So you can, our goal is anything that you would think that you would need to call us to do we want to try to make that available via a I mobile device. I discovered in 2002 that the Georgia's uh, that people would call Georgia's unemployment line and uh, food stamps. It was food stamp lines mm-hmm. uh, that these calls were being outsourced to India. Mm-hmm. So the people who were calling on food stamps that couldn't get a job in 2002, the state of Georgia, those calls were being taken in India. And I think it's and I introduced a bill to stop that. And boy, things changed real quick. My point to you is that it really matters to me personally, and I think to a lot of Georgians, that those jobs are insourced, that they are Georgia jobs and not outsourced. Yeah, absolutely, and I think there's a quality difference. You yeah. know, if, if you can speak with someone who understands your issue and can empathize with it, it's going to be a much better customer experience. So, John, yeah. you were a state representative. Uh, maybe our listening audience doesn't doesn't know that or doesn't remember that, but you served in the General Assembly. Yeah, and back had, when the Democrats were in charge of things there, yeah, Tim. Yeah. yeah. Ba- back, back in the day, I guess we'll call it. Uh, but uh, so, so you yeah. you took action and yep. you felt like that that was not a service yeah. know, to folks I, in our no, state. That's right. It's disservice. And what a disgrace, I yeah. thought. And how do you feel, John, about the move towards chatting and towards – Using you know mobile devices, do you do you, do you see that in your yeah, world? Yeah, I mean it's uh, the bad news is it's like uh, I talk to the bank tellers every time they try and direct you to a computer. You know, it's kind of mm-hmm. like so you realize your job's getting outsourced there at the bank, uh, and and Chase Manhattan Bank is not your friend. But it, but in your case, you've got to you've got to have that technology interface, but you're always going to have to have a person there, and I think marrying the two makes the customer experience better, gives you some efficiency. As a business CEO, you want to have that business efficiency uh, and of speed. I think it's a win-win. Yeah. So, Kevin, uh, let me just go back to something that we said in an earlier segment about getting the gas here uh, from the Gulf area. Uh, and now it's coming in from various regions, whether it's Pennsylvania, in a new pipeline that we have. But I grew up in Riverdale, uh, and I lived uh, within an eye shot of those big AGL tanks mm-hmm. that are over there that hold liquefied natural gas. And those tanks those tanks are filled up in advance of the heating season, 
But as you follow that big pipeline, and they're always marked with big yellow markers, and folks have crossed over these pipelines, driven over them, looked off to the side of the road. But these pipelines are large, and they carry a lot of gas. They're protected. They have these compressor stations every so many miles. How important is that infrastructure to our you know, to our gas supply? And is it safe? Is it something that's, that could be subject to a terrorist attack? And what, what do you think about the safety of natural gas today? Yeah, I think our, I think our infrastructure is very, very safe. And I think it's critical for meeting demand during um, times of, uh, of, of, of high usage. So peak winter days. So our system has these big above ground tanks where gas marketers like Gas South can pull gas out of those tanks very quickly yeah. during very cold days. Surge events. when yeah, when the yeah. when the pipelines are really really congested, um, we have access to other sorts of geologic formations, um, locations in Alabama, for example, mm-hmm. where uh, there are underground facilities, spent aquifers. So a strategic reserve for gas. Yeah, they're yeah. like spent aquifers. They're 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 old um, 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 oil production sites and things like that and they get converted into places where these caverns where natural gas can be injected in those facilities during the summertime for example with the ability then to pull that gas out during the winter when it's needed the most and in the northeast they have huge they have supply problems they haven't invested in pipelines so they have the deferred maintenance but they also just don't have pipelines enough places everybody wants gas in the cold and the cold is getting colder in the winters and the, the summers are getting hotter despite my climate change denying friend over here uh, mr eccles they actually the climate is changing and those dramatic events will happen more and more and more and spending on infrastructure is so important yep absolutely you need to you need to build in that resilience and Sounds to like have the ability it. yeah and in, in Georgia we're pretty well served we really feel like now yeah. we will still have situations where prices in the spot market will spike and that can affect industrial customers who receive service on an interruptible basis and they might have to use an alternate source of fuel for a day or two well, but tough yeah, we I try mean, to keep those we try to right. keep those you know events at a minimum and um Certainly, we haven't experienced things like brownouts or anything else that, like, you know, reduce the ability for customers to use natural gas during the wintertime. Our system, you know, when you turn on your furnace, You're gonna it works. It. Yeah. Well, this has been a great conversation as we've learned about uh, the whole gas system, John, how it works and, uh, and, and what helps Georgia to be a very economical state, even though we don't have a, a gas well or an oil well or uh, any of that here. We've got the infrastructure set up and the system set up to be able to keep these costs down. And we've seen how it, 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 it benefits the price of chicken and the price of baked cookies and anything else that's being used. That we're and not just our infrastructure, we're apparently more efficient. Like yep. you're saying, and thanks to other guests we had earlier, we're talking about efficiencies of our, of our hot water heaters. And as we get more efficient and as the system is good, that's a win for Georgia. Yep, and low-cost energy creates jobs. Can't forget that either. I hope you'll follow us on Twitter at Matters Radio. I'm at Tim Eccles. John, you're at New Energy Guy. And Kevin, you're at... uh, Yeah, Kevin underscore Gas South. Kevin underscore Gas South. Follow us on Twitter and tune back in every week to hear more information about how you can save money, use technology, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. I'm Tim Eccles. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit. 
and the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, $2, or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you 